on Sunday night. I'm blessed by being here. When the pastor came back and was sitting by me, when a part of the service was, well, before the singer just sung that last song, I told him, I said, I feel a lot like Simon Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, it's good to be here. I'm not on the Mount of Transfiguration, but I promise you it's good to be here. What a beautiful congregation, Sister Odom. Have you seen this? Yeah. God bless you. Praying for you. I do my best to remember your pastor and his wife frequently in our prayers. Thank you for letting me come back. And uh, for those of you that like to monitor uh, who's going to be coming to preach again, my name is on the list. I'll be back. I, I, I tried to be, with, well, wait, wait a minute. You may, you may back, back off on that when you hear me preach tonight. Um, there are just some places I feel like at this time of my life that I really feel that I want to connect to. And this is one of those very, very few churches. Sister Odom and I have had a great afternoon. Thank you for the apartment. Uh, very, very nice. Thank you. Um, we got out this afternoon. I said, let's take a ride. And so we got on 57 South, and on the left of the highway, we saw the most beautiful pine trees. <laughs> and I looked to the right, and I saw the most beautiful pine trees. We went all the way to Jackson County and came back, went all the way back up to Highway 26 crossed the river bridge, turned around at Crossroads Methodist Church. I stopped at the Bendale Mall, more commonly known as the dollar store. We've had a great afternoon, and I want to be a part of what's going on at this church. Thank you, Brother Moore, for opening your heart and this pulpit uh, to, 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 to me. It's truly a privilege to preach behind this desk. And if there's visitors here tonight, I want to make welcome you as the pastor has. Um, welcome to Bendale. Is that you? I'm looking at Bruce. How you doing, son? You in for a good two-hour sermon tonight? Oh, boy, that didn't excite you. <laughs> Tell by that look on your face. Well, just because of that look, I'm going to cut it down to two hours. And No. Good to see you, Bruce. He and I go back a long, long way. I give honor to Sister Moore tonight. Sister Odom, isn't she a beautiful little lady? That's right. Brother Moore, I noticed you didn't say amen to that. <laughs> so um, I'll be praying for you when you get home tonight. And Brother Moore is a handsome man, isn't he? She just got you back. I didn't hear her say amen to that. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. My, my, it's so good to be here. In Jesus' name. Are you ready for the reading of the Bible? Matthew Make that chapter 11. I said 12, make it 11. Verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus 
had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, and this is John the Baptist, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I want you to notice Jesus' answer. He could have just said, yes, go back and tell John I'm, I'm him. But he never said yes. He didn't say no. But he rambled a bit. And his answer goes like this in verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And I don't know why Jesus added verse number 6 in our Bibles as a footnote, but I believe this was a personal love note to John. And he said, and blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. Tonight, I want to call your attention to the question that John sent his two disciples to ask Jesus. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, obviously, I have a great advantage on John. I'm not in prison. I'm not about to be beheaded or executed by Herod. I can look back at the Old Testament and the writings of the New Testament, and I know for a fact that Jesus was the one that John had looked for. But John was facing the ultimatum of life, and it seems like that John was just wanting to be sure that all of his homework was done and his life was in order. He knew that his time was limited. And his question was, are you he that should come or do we look for another? Again, I have an advantage on John. I can look at both the New and the Old Testament. And I preach tonight in dedication to my Savior Jesus this title. There will never be another. Are thou he that should come or should we look for another? There will never be another like Jesus. Put your Bibles down. If you would, just hold your hands up and sing with me. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long. Let me hear you. To be like him. All through life's journey, from earth to glory, I only ask to be like Him. One more time. Sing it loud. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, 
on earth I long to be like him all through life's journey from earth to glory. You may be seated. I've done much reading and much study about the ministry of John the Baptist. There's quite a bit of information about him, but yet in the reality of the volume of the Bible, there's not a lot about him either. We do know that his birth was prophesied by Isaiah and by Malachi. The Old Testament prophets prenamed him as the forerunner of the Messiah. Before his mother Elizabeth was found to be expecting the baby, we know that his mother and daddy were old people, and indeed she was biologically past the age of childbearing. So the fact that his mother Elizabeth conceived is no small miracle. We also know that because of his father's lapse of faith in what the angel said, God smote him with silence or dumbness for the nine months gestational biological period that his wife Elizabeth and John's mother carried her, him in the womb. And we also know that the angel appeared to his father and heaven named him John. Suddenly after his birth, he just kind of falls off of the radar and there's not anything else said about him until some 30 years later. He establishes his reputation as being a countryside preacher. He preached in the wilderness of Judea. Now, the Bible does not give us the length of his ministry, but most men that I've studied after and that has personally taught me has taught me that his earthly ministry didn't last but about three months. Some will extend that and say possibly six months. So take the number that you want, three or six months, but that's as long as his Ministry lasted. Dynamic is an understatement. Soul winner, that's an understatement. Success, that's an understatement. We find that all of Jerusalem went out to hear this man preach. I don't know if it was the unique style of his preaching or his absolute absence of modish, fashionable dress. He wore camel's hair. His diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. His sermon was pretty well the same every time you heard him. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. Not only did all of Jerusalem go out to hear him, 
But the so-called spiritual leaders of Israel went out to hear him, naming them the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. And boy, did he ever have a sermon for those Pharisees one day. You talking about diplomacy in the pulpit and Pentecost? John had none of it. Talking about using psychology to win people? John had none of it. As a matter of fact, when he was able to take the microphone and preach, he looked at him and called him a bunch of vipers. Now, that's not the way to win friends. That's not the way to build a church. At least that's what I've been taught. But he called them vipers and said, Who's warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Three months, maybe six months, this was his sermon. And his success was unparalleled. The numbers of soul winning was unmatched. If you want to do some Bible statistics, Noah preached righteousness for 120 years. And the maximum number of humans that was in the ark was eight souls. Is that not success? No, that's success. Somewhere along the line of Pentecostalism, we look at numbers or the lack of numbers as the definition of success. Jesus never emphasized the masses to pray, but he said, if you'll give me two or three that will pray together, in my name, I'll be there in the midst of them. The great soul winner, the kingdom of God empire builder, the great apostle Paul, when he left evangelizing from the city of Athens, his next stop was the city of Corinth, a city of well over a half a million people. That was the Roman version of the Bourbon Street of New Orleans. That was the Roman version of the male bathhouses of San Francisco. That was the Roman version of the pornography industry of New Amsterdam. It was a city that was filled with both male and female prostitutes. And when Paul landed in Corinth, he had never quite come up against a city that was so steeped in immorals and perversion. And discouragement sets in on Paul until God gave him a dream, a vision in the night and encouraged him not to be dismayed. For I have much people in this city, but for 18 months, Paul never baptized one person in Jesus' name. For 18 months, Paul never laid hands on the candidates to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But in time, God gave him the numbers. John preaching in the wilderness of Judea, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When he comes, he's going to increase, and I'm going to decrease. And the crowning moment of the three to six month ministry of John the Baptist was when the day 
a young 30-year-old man from northern Judea, Nazareth, came to Bethabara, a little crook in the river of Jordan, and walked down to the water to be baptized by this evangelist, John the Baptist. Then and there, there was a dialogue between the two of them. And John said to the candidate, I have need to be baptized of you. Why do you come to me to be baptized? And the candidate, Jesus, said to the baptizer, John, it is responsible for you and me to fulfill all righteousness. Never before or never since has there been a phenomenal, miraculous move from heaven when a person was baptized. But when the young 30-year-old from Nazareth was baptized at Bethabara, heaven suddenly erupted. There was a thundering voice that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit descended from heaven like as it was a dove. Oh, the miraculous moment when God's holiness filled that place. As far as I know, that's the one and only time that these two men who indeed were cousins ever met in the earth. And after baptism, they went their separate way. The young man that was baptized was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And this begins the next 42 months of an unparalleled ministry led by this evangelist from Nazareth that we know as Jesus Christ. John, he kept on calling Pharisees vipers. He kept on preaching it straight. But believe me when I tell you, he preached the wrong hard sermon to the wrong person at the wrong time, and it landed him in prison. And of all the sermons, he let the dear lady know, he let the King Herod know that it's not lawful for you to cohabitate with your brother Philip's wife. And if John's opinion meant anything, John let it be known that it would be illegal for you to marry her, Herod. And that created a spirit of deep hatred and resistance in the heart of this woman. And she lived for one thing and one thing only. And that was to get this preacher back. Pastor Moore, I would urge you to use high level of etiquette and mannerisms in your pulpit. And I'm not here to give you a public class on homiletics. But I told you before church that we need to lift the bar high and love people and we must care for people. But ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to preaching against sin, we have tiptoed around that subject way too long. And there is a reason that we have so much acceptance of ungodliness and worldliness in so many of our churches is that things that were watched, blatantly preached against, are no longer mentioned because in fear it might offend someone and they may not come back to church. My friends of Bendale, I have no reason to grind an axe with you. 
I have no reason to cast a stone at you. But when you're John the Baptist stands in this pulpit, his responsibility is not to make you feel good about yourself, but his responsibility is to save your soul. And the way that we save your soul, we preach you back into an altar from time to time. And there's not a one of us here tonight that is not so spiritual that we don't need to crawl back to Calvary and to repent again of wrongs in our life. I say publicly to you, Pastor Moore, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. It might offend some, but I have a promise from God just for you that if you preach the word, God Almighty will honor the word of God that is preached. You seem to want to have church. Clap your hands unto the Lord. So now we come to my text in Matthew chapter 11. Without the benefits of a constitutional trial, John the Baptist is facing the death penalty. And the death penalty has been denounced over him because of his straightforward sin against preaching. And because of his preaching, he was in the prison soon to be executed. We don't have any documentaries in the scriptures how long it was before John was to be beheaded. But when he heard about his cousin, when he heard about that candidate that was baptized at Bethabara, when he heard about that man that after he was baptized was led by the Spirit, John, who said at Bethabara, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, but now facing execution, now facing the ultimate, and only 33 years old, John calls two of his most trusted disciples, sends them directly to the Galilean evangelist, who by this time has opened the eyes of a bum of Jericho named Bartimaeus, who by this time had visited the cemetery of Bethany and had resurrected a friend by the name of Lazarus, who by this time had put his index fingers in the deaf ears of an unnamed deaf man, and he was healed. Uh, when these disciples came to Jesus and asked the very pertinent question, Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Jesus, without frustration at John, simply said, I'll answer it like this. Jesus, without any temper tantrum at John, said, I'll answer it like this. Jesus, without any anguish at John, said, I'll answer it like this. Go back and tell John, and now I'll give you a little Otomese preaching. He didn't say, go and tell John that I said yes, or tell John that I said no. But take the evidence of what you're hearing and what you're seeing. 
And you tell John that when you asked me the question that I said to you all, that tell John that the blind eyes are open. Tell John that the deaf ears are unstopped. Tell John that the dead are raised to live again. Tell John that the paraplegic, the lame, they leap and they walk. Tell John that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Fast forward time. Here I am, December the 29th. The year is the dying year of 2019. And if anyone would be so bold to stand and ask me publicly, Brother Odom, is Jesus the one? Or should we look for another? I will not give you a yes or give you a no, but I'll answer it like this. He alone is the creator of Genesis. He alone is the Passover lamb of Exodus. He alone is the lifted up one of numbers. He alone is the high priest of Leviticus. He alone is the royal law. You're going to keep rocking like that, brother. You're going to get seasick in just a minute. He alone is the royal law of Deuteronomy. He alone is the commanding officer of Joshua. He alone is the merciful judge in the book of Judges. He alone is the near kinsman in the book of Ruth. He alone is the king of Matthew. He alone is the man of Mark. He alone is the servant of Luke. He alone is deity of John. He alone is the eternal millennium in the book of Revelation. He alone is the first and the last. He alone is the Alpha and the Omega. He alone is the water of life and the bread of life. He alone is the bright morning star. He alone is the living way well that sounded pretty good but for Jesus I think we can do better than that You're being seated. At this time of my life, and the pastor's already disappointed you and told you my age, I was so much in hopes that you would think that I was only 39. At this time of my life, my hunger for Jesus Christ is insatiable. At this time of my life, my thirst for Jesus Christ is unquenchable. All that really matters to Mrs. Odom and I is Jesus and nothing else. It's important for us that we know who he is and we want to know where he's moving. Now let the kid out of the bag with that. The reason I want to come back to Bendale because the Lord is moving in this house. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God Almighty. Folks, I feel I better say this or I'm going to miss the will of God for this entire sermon. I've come to speak to your cancer and I've come to speak to your tumor. I've come to speak to your malignancy. I've come to speak to your high blood pressure. I've come to speak to your sugar diabetes. I've come to speak to your colon disease. I've come to speak to your infirmity. I speak to those sicknesses and afflictions in the name of Jesus. For he and he alone is the healer of all of thy diseases. I've come to speak to your spiritual weaknesses. I've come to speak to your temptations. I've come to speak to your shortcomings. I take authority over the spirit of temptation. I cast him out of this church. I send it right back to hell where he came for. And I say, be thou set free. Rejoice in the Lord because he who the Son has set free is free indeed. There's over 600 Bible colleges and universities. That's Christian colleges and universities in the United States. I'm going to be real deliberate that I don't misquote this. 300 of those seminaries belong to the Catholic Church. 100 of them belong to the Baptist and the Methodist. 100 of them are Presbyterians. And I'm not here to cast a stone, but most of these schools have now fractionalized Jesus Christ. At the most, he's only a percentage of the Godhead. Most have convinced him that he's not even a big enough God to save a sinner from a devil's hell. Most have minimalized him. Write the year down if you're keeping minutes on my sermon. The year was 1963. He was an independent Baptist preacher. He's deceased by now. His name was Leonard Ravinghill. He did a research of major religious seminaries across the United States. 43% of the seminarians said that Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin. 77% of the seminarians say that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. 76% of them say that your Bible and my Bible is not the inspired Word of God. The next question was, does, did Jesus Christ resurrect himself from the dead? 33% of all seminarians in the early 60s do not believe that Jesus was even resurrected from the dead. I've come to tell you if I could establish or if Jesus could establish his very own Bible college today, I have publicly already named it. It's J-N-U. It's Jesus name university. Jesus Christ would serve as the president. Jesus Christ would serve as the chancellor. Jesus Christ would serve as the provost. 
Jesus Christ would serve as the dean of admissions. He would be the principal professor of every graduate school. He would be the professor of mathematics because there ain't a problem that he can't solve. He would be the professor of language because Brother Edward, he is still an apple of gold in a picture of silver. He would be the professor of meteorology because there ain't a storm that he can't come. He would be the professor of zoology because he's the scapegoat for all sinners, but he's also the lamb for sinners slain. He will be the professor of geology because he's still the rock of ages. He's still the foundation stone. He's still the chief cornerstone. He would serve as his own professor of biology for in him and not in them. In him there is life for the master biologist Jesus Christ said I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now keep your seat while I preach as long as you can. But if you feel like that you're sitting on a firecracker, it's okay for you to stand up. This is why I have a problem in preaching to dead Pentecostal churches. Because he's breathed life in our churches. This is why I have trouble with dead Pentecostal preachers because he's breathed life into our sermons. The reason you clap your hands, it's not just a Pentecostal tradition, but it's life in me. The reason you leap for joy, it's not just a Pentecostal tradition, but it's life in me. The reason I run for joy, it's not just a Pentecostal tradition, but it's life in me. The reason I dance mightily before him is not a Pentecostal tradition, but it's life in me. I'm walking you through the halls of the University of Jesus' name. He will be the professor of chemistry because he's the substance of everything that is composed. He will be the professor of astronomy because the last time I checked the horizon on the nighttime sky, he is still the bright and the morning star. He will be the professor of physics because he's still the great eternal phenomenon and in him is the energy of eternal power with God. He will be the professor of medicine. Now if you've been bored to this point, you're really about to get bored. He will be the professor of medicine, namely the professor of oncology because there's not a cancer, there's not a tumor, there's not a malignancy that he cannot heal. He will be the professor of cardiology because there's not a heart disease that he cannot fix. He will be the professor of dermatology because there's not a leper that he cannot clean. 
He will be the professor of orthopedic because there's no broken bone that he can't put back together. He will be the professor of pediatrics because it was him that said, suffer the little children and bring them unto me. He did something that ophthalmologists could not do. He opens blinded eyes. He did something that audiologists cannot do. He unstopped their fears. He You know, you know, you know, I feel like the devil's messing with me just a little bit. I've come to serve him. Notice, I proclaim a miracle of healing in this house tonight. You brought your sickness with you. Leave it here at Calvary. You brought your affliction with you. Leave it here. Don't let her run by herself. Don't let her run by herself. Leave it here at Calvary. You brought your burdens with you. Leave them here at Calvary. We got time for this. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Jesus did something that psychologists cannot do. After one brief moment of analysis with his patient, who, by the way, lived in the tombs of Gadara, while mania fanatic, screamer. He wore no clothes. He cried and cut himself with stones. But when Jesus Christ, the heavenly psychologist, walked off of the little boat on the shores of Gadara, here comes the patient screaming at Jesus. What have I to do with thee? Hath thou come to torment me before my time? And before three to five minutes was over in their conversation, this man was set free. This man was delivered. This man was found clothed. And this man was in his right mind. You keep giving the devil some of your time, he's going to run some of you literally crazy. You keep giving the devil some of your time. He's going to get you on so many pills and barbiturates that you can't be yourself. I'm going to take my liberty tonight. I come against the spirit of Pentecostal depression. The Lord has called you to joy. The Lord has called you to joy. Come on, man. Come on, lady. Make up your mind. I've been discouraged my last time. I've been sad and sorrowful my last time. He's given me joy.
I can tell that you're not that impressed with my prepared notes, but I'm going to plow through. As a physical therapist, he only had one session with this particular patient. You'd make me feel better if you'd sit down. And I know you want me to feel good. But you'll make me feel a lot better in a few minutes if you stand back up and clap your hands. And I know you want me to feel good. And if you'll do those things, it's going to make the devil real mad. You know, these girls running around here just a moment ago, I felt that demonic force come against me. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Get this sermon over with. You don't have time for that. That's the problem with Pentecost. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. What about an old-fashioned tarrying service? What about an old-fashioned waiting on the Holy Ghost and letting God move in our midst? One physical therapist session with the patient who had been a paraplegic for, my goodness, 38 years. And he lived in a convalescent home that I've called Bethesda. And when Jesus picked out his patient, he looked at the paraplegic. And he said, wilt thou be made whole? And this man who obviously had tried everything imaginable at Bethesda, he said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in these legendary waters that I can hopefully be the next one to be healed from this legendary story. And the physical therapist, Jesus Christ, hallelujah, Jesus Christ said, just do me a favor, patient. Take up thy bed and get up and walk for the first time in 38 years. I feel this exuding from me right now. The doctor has said he's done all he can do for you. Welcome, Jesus Christ. Take over. The doctor, he said there's no more treatments he can give to you. Welcome, Jesus Christ. Take over. When man has carried you as far as man can carry you, don't you ever underestimate what God God can do. Jesus Christ cannot be defined by the greatest of dictionaries. He cannot be illustrated by the greatest of encyclopedias. But this we know. He's the key to all spiritual knowledge. He's the wellspring of great wisdom. Once you fall in love with Jesus Christ, listen to me young couples. You can't get him out of your mind. And you can't get him off of your hands because your heart has been filled by him. You might think you can, but you can't. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but the Pharisees couldn't stop him. Herod couldn't kill him when he was a baby. Pilate couldn't condemn him when he was a man. Death couldn't handle him and the grave could not hold him. This great book that you have by your side is replete with and it abounds with high adjectives and accolades that belongs only to Jesus Christ. He is supremely described. He is sublimely recognized. He is exquisitely expressed. Jesus Christ, like him, there'll never be another. He is totally inexhaustive. He is vastly infinite. He's wholly immense. He's completely incalculable. He's enormously unlimited. He works unobstructed and he works unrestricted. He's the 
magnificent miracle of the ages. He's the superlative phenomenon of the creation of God. He's the fascination of heaven and the earth. He's the majesty of the great universe. He's the splendor of heaven. He's the masterpiece of genius. He's the pearl from paradise. He's the gem from glory. He's the jewel from New Jerusalem. And he condescended to the earth to take on the form of a sinful man that he might die for your sins and die for my sins. The reason that I'm more excited about preaching and 74 years old is that I know in whom I have believed there's never been one like him. There'll never be another like him. Well, I'm trying to get the time and all I'm getting is shaking of heads. Well, is it still Sunday night? He's often been mimicked, but has never been matched. He's often been challenged, but has never been conquered. He's often under attack, but he's never been defeated. Often he's been opposed, but he's never been overpowered. He's been skepticized. He's been analyzed. He's been criticized. He's been ridiculed, and he has been despised. Hold on, Americans. I got some good news for you. He's the governor of all governors. He's the prince of all princes. Hold on, Americans. I got some news for you. He's the king of all kings. His throne is high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. Hold on, Americans. I got some good news for him. They can't impeach Jesus. And the better news, he ain't going to resign. There's been many coups against him to dethrone him, but he's still in charge. He's still in command. And whatever, come on, dear brother, clap your hands back there. I feel that Holy Ghost on you. Come on, brother. I feel that Holy Ghost on you. They can try to overthrow him, but they're going to fail. They're going to try to... Oh, God, I felt virtue move through me when I said that. Ladies and gentlemen, he's conquered death. He's conquered hell. He's conquered the grave. And if you will let him, he'll make you more than a conqueror through him. I can't decide, young brother, if you're smiling or crying. I think a little bit of both right here. You feel that Holy Ghost on you? How old are you? 24. Man, I need some help. Get to preaching, will you? Not only is he a leader, but he's a driver. Be seated while I tell you what he can drive. He drove Lucifer right out of heaven. He drove the serpent right out of the, I'm preaching something right now, the Holy Ghost. Let me start this over. I'm preaching something right now. He drove Lucifer right out of heaven. He drove the serpent 
right out of the garden of Eden. I'm preaching something right now. The Lord's about to work in this house right now. He drove seven demons out of Mary from Magdala. Clap your hands, Bruce. He drove 7,000 out of Legion from Gadara. And even though he's your leader tonight, turn your life over to him. He's going to drive out of your mind those wicked spirits, those filthy thoughts, that ungodly conversation. Let him set you free. Let... I want to give you the opinion of some of the great patriarchs of the Bible. When Moses spoke of his coming, Moses said about Jesus, there is none like him. The next one was the pastor, priest, prophet by the name of Samuel. And Samuel said the identical words of Moses, there is none like him. The third that now makes it a trio was the patriarch Job that said the identical words that Moses and Samuel said. There is none like him. David said, don't count me out. He used the same words that Moses, that Samuel, and that Job said. And David said, there is none like him. Isaiah said, whoa, let me give you my opinion. He used the same term that Moses and Samuel and Job and David said. And Isaiah said, there is none like him. And the weeping, lamenting prophet Jeremiah said, don't you got time for one more opinion? And Jeremiah said what Moses said and what Samuel said and what Job said and what David said, what Isaiah said and Jeremiah said there is none like him and here I am a 74 year old preacher hey Moses, hey Samuel hey Job hey David, hey Isaiah hey Jeremiah Bindale wants to say something tonight Bindale wants to say something tonight Maybe you said it, but because of my monitor, I didn't hear you. So I'll be your oracle and I'll speak for Bendale tonight. Listen to Bendale, Moses. Listen to Bendale, Samuel. Listen to Bendale, Job. 
Listen to Bendale, David. Listen to Bendale, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. I'm going to speak for them tonight. It's our opinion that there's none like him. Jesus. Well, to add insult to the injury we've already afflicted on the devil, God Almighty asked in Isaiah chapter 46, and I think he would be pleased if you'd be seated. Tough luck, folks. I've already got the check in my pocket. It's kind of bad for me to feel what I'm feeling right now in this church because I feel like that I'm 30 years old and I'm the hottest evangelist in America. And all I need is a come on back tomorrow night, let's do it again. All I need is feel the baptistry. All I need is get ready. Here comes the backsliders. Hallelujah. Please, 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 I want to preach. So Sister Odom and I had a wonderful drive this afternoon through parts of George and Jackson counties, but I couldn't get it off of my mind, and I did see a bunch of beautiful pines, I promise you that. But here's a house, and there's a house, and here's a business, and there's a business. But it got a hold of me. When I came back to your prayer room before church, I locked in. God, get a hold of the backsliders that live around Bendale, and I guarantee you the woods are full of them. But I speak to you right now, Brother Backslider. That's the Holy Ghost dealing with you. I speak to you right now, Sister Backslider. That's the Holy Ghost drawing to you. Somebody here tonight, you got a backslidden family member. I want you to go ahead and get up and shout and claim their salvation. Come on. Get that Holy Ghost on you. 
I don't know you, don't know nothing about you, but I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost on you. You claim your family. You claim your loved ones. You claim them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God asked through Isaiah, To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Just for the record's sake, I have prepared tonight a brief list of some of the man-made deities in both the Old and New Testament. Compare him to Ammon, forget it. Compare him to Asherah, forget it. Compare him to Anat, forget it. Compare him to Ashtoreth, forget it. Compare him to Baal, forget it. Compare him to Beelzebub, forget it. Compare him to Chemos, forget it. Compare him to Dagon, who said that's it? Who said that? Stand up. I need some that's it help right now. That's it. I've been waiting on you. I've been watching you for the last two hours preaching. Come on, brother. Let's mean you have a little church right now. I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of my notes. Nobody can compare to him. Nobody can match him. Nobody can become his equal. He stands alone. He He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. Thank you, brother. They don't compare. <laughs> Have you ever seen a preacher get annoying and throwing paper? <laughs> when I think of the goodness of Jesus. <laughs> Chemos didn't dig me out of sin, but Jesus did. Dagon didn't write my name in the book of life, but Jesus did. <laughs> Belzebub didn't save me from sin, but Jesus did. And if it bothers your Pentecostal etiquette, and if your mannerism's a little bit too formal for me, I don't apologize. But I know that he saved me by his grace. He called me out of darkness into this marvelous light. I'm free. I'm free. I better clear the air that um, right now I feel like an 85-year-old preacher. I won't be back for revival tomorrow night. But it's in me. 
So because you are ushering me to the finish line, I will close my visit with you with my raspy voice to say it like this. There's no one, no one like Jesus. There's no one. Would you please get your mind off of my raspy voice? No one like Jesus who would die for me. Just to set my spirit free. There's no one. There's no one. Neighbor, aren't you ready to be set free from your life of sin? Friend, you're going down a road that's going to lead to great, great destruction if your name is not in the book of life. And if I knew that I wasn't ready to meet God, I wouldn't let this service be dismissed without stepping out from my chair and walking down the aisle and come to this old altar and call upon the only one that loves you and the only one that cares for you. Sister Odom, I have more confidence in your prayer life than I have anybody in the world. So while I keep preaching, little sister, Sister Odom, would you throw your hands up and plead the blood of Jesus? There's a soul in this house that's being weighed in the balances. This night, if you don't turn your life over to God, your world could come crashing down around you. He's not sent this manifestation tonight just for you to feel good, but he sent this manifestation of his presence to let you know that you don't have to keep living the life of disappointment and despair. He's come tonight to give you that life and that life more abundantly. I'm calling on the church to pray. Would there be one, two, or three that are Say, preacher, I need to be sure that I'm right with God. I'm going to come down and I'm going to go back to Jesus one more time. Here's a young man that sits on the second robe and he's coming down to be sure. Come on, Bruce. I've been feeling for you tonight, son. This is a God sin for you, Bruce. Here comes a dear old gentleman just to be sure. Here come some young people. It's not worth it for you to take another chance. And hear the Lord saying, depart from me. Come, friend. Come, church. I need the church to pray. I need the intercessors to intercede. Someone needs to be saved. I need your strength, son. And they're still coming. There's room at the cross for you, sir. There's room at the cross for you, sir. There's room at the cross for you, lady. Come on, neighbor. We're not talking about time. We're talking about eternity.
And without him, how lost I would be. Oh, without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a all find a prayer partner come on ladies I need your voices come on gentlemen we need to lift our voices
do we look for another? There's no need to. You see, I believe he's going to show up. I believe he's going to minister like never before. Right here in Bendale, Mississippi. When you expect him to show up, he's going to show up. He's going to minister. And he's going to work. Struggle a little bit with this to tell you this tonight, but maybe to help somebody's faith here tonight, I want to tell you this. You know, we've been having a little request for the last three or four weeks that dealt with a little hunting dog and a couple of collars. A couple of weeks ago, I told you, and I knew then in my heart, my spirit, that I wouldn't say it, but I knew the dog was dead. But I knew God could resurrect it if he seemed fit. But if he didn't, Mother Barry, nothing to do with your faith. I don't want you to even go there. Friday, somewhere around 10 o'clock, I get a text from Brother Barry. He says, it's a gentleman about toward, out toward Wiggins. Walked about a half a mile behind his house. He found a couple of collars. Now that may not do nothing for you. But you see, and I knew, I knew Brother Barry. He brought me a bag the other day and it had a collar in it. I tried to tell him I didn't want to take it. I said, it's yours. He said, no. He said, it's yours. I said, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth right now. On the way home, that bag and my truck, I felt impressed of God. He said, don't you take the collar out of the bag. He said, don't you use it. He said, that'll mess with your faith. I didn't. I took that collar and that bag and I set it in my closet. I didn't take it out to charge it. I didn't do anything. I said, I'm still believing your God. The collar's going to show up. The collar's going to show up. get the text a gentleman in Wiggins decided to go behind his house and look for some deer sign find a dog that's been dead for several weeks not just anybody but it took the time to took these collars off of a decomposed body like that but God knew the right fella there was a houndsman they would take the time to take those old collars off of that old carcass you see, God rules in the affairs of all. I believe that. Right down to simple collars. I told you God was going to do something to build the faith in Bendale, Mississippi. Did he not give Caleb back his, his, his billfold with all the money in it? Or did he not? Did he not give the collars back or not? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, Bendale, Mississippi. God's working. If he can do that, he can heal a cancer's body. He can turn a backslid kid around. He can do anything because he's big enough to do it because there is no other. Because there's no other, he's going to show up. The devil can't stop him. Death couldn't stop him. Pharisees couldn't stop him. And if you and I just have the faith, the only thing that's stopping is the evil hearts of unbelief. 
maybe you don't feel it all tonight. But if you'll take the message that was preached to us tonight, I don't care what you're facing, what you're struggling with, you'll just take a hold of the message. I believe you're going to show up, Jesus. And I believe you're going to heal. I believe you're going to mend. I believe you're going to work it all out for the good. Because you're who you said you are. And I may have to walk a while, amen, and struggle with it. My brother asked me the other day, you heard anything? I said, no. He said, well, we ought to get I said, no. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to back off of it. Hallelujah. So, so Jesus, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes you just got to stand in the gap. Sometimes you got to step out on the limb. Sometimes you got to say, you know what? I'm going to stay with it. He's my witness. I text back to him. I said, Brother Barry, don't mess with my faith. I'm not taking the collar. Not an axe with him at all. I knew it was it was bothering him more than it was me. Got so bad his wife said, you can't use his collars no more. <laughs> what a God. What about Jill? Maybe Jill's seen some of her better days. And God just worked that all out. Well, she's just a dog. But she belonged to us. He don't, if he don't miss a sparrow falling, honey, he don't miss anything in your life either. Not anything. He sees and knows it all. What an awesome God we serve in Bendale, Mississippi. What an awesome God. So don't forget Tuesday night. This will be the midweek service. We'll gather here about 10 o'clock. We're going to have communion. And then the ladies that go in the back, back here, the men will go out in the fellowship hall. We're going to have foot washing and praying the remainder of the year out. and Whatever it takes in the first part of the year. If it takes a daylight, that'll be all right. It'll be all right. So come. Come expecting. Come excited. Amen. Are you thankful that the Lord has sent Bishop Odom and Sister Odom our way. I'll tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost today. He sent them our way to, to strengthen this church in a way that nobody else could do it. And it's happening. It's happening. Thank God for it. It's good to see each one of you. Good to have you with us tonight. God bless you. Love and appreciate you. We'll see you Tuesday night. God bless you.